In 2019, I attended my first in-person leadership retreat. I wasn't excited to go at first because, frankly, I prefer staying at home in my comfortable bubble. I went nonetheless, and on day two of this 2019 retreat, I had an epiphany that an in-person experience, disconnected from the world, in a setting that stimulates revelation, is the key to complete leadership development. That is what I was experiencing. Since then, our Leading Saints team has been researching other retreats, and we are finally ready to offer our Gathering Saints retreat experiences. These are in-person getaways where we gather in a physical location around the world, disconnect from our busy lives, and take a few days to connect with God as we learn to develop as individual leaders. These experiences are for individuals with no official leadership title, and even those with a formal leadership role. These retreats typically take place in beautiful wilderness locations, and we are also organizing church history trips where we create developmental experiences in historic church settings like Kirtland, Nauvoo, and Independence. For more information about the next retreat, visit leadingsaints.org gathering, or click the link in the show notes. That's leadingsaints.org gathering, or click the link in the show notes. Let's go around the room, do some introductions. I'll start. So my name is Kurt Frankham. I am the executive director of Leading Saints, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And we are dedicated, you know, have a mission here to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. Now, me personally, I live uh, in Stansbury Park, Utah, which is in Tooele County. I grew up in West Valley City and I've been running Leading Saints really since 2010 when it started out as a hobby blog. 2014 is when the podcast started and now we are over 10 million downloads. And uh, man, we're glad that you are now one of those downloads. Let's jump in. John McNaughton, welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Well, thanks a lot. It's great to be here, Kurt. Yeah, and you're from Lubbock, Texas. That's right. right? You, live, in you Lubbock, live there Texas. anyways. Yeah, I was going to say, born and raised. Well, actually, I was born in Alaska. My dad was in the Air Force, but I really? uh, lived in Utah most of my life on a farm in Heber City. And we live in Lubbock, Texas now. Nice. And you just happen to be in town. And uh, we have a mutual friend, Dan Duckworth, who's That's a member right. of our board. And he's... He said, you got to interview John. And uh, I finally responded to, you, to the email to, to do that. And uh, you're in Utah. And so we got together and we're going to record, right? I love it. Yeah, it sounds cool. great. So any, uh, what, what, what do you do in, in Texas? Yeah, so I am a professor at Texas Tech University and I'm in the educational psychology and leadership program. And most of what I teach is kind of organizational leadership and administration. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so you've come to the right podcast, my friend. That's right. That's one of the reasons I listen to it. I I wouldn't tell my students, but there's sometimes that I share things in my class, you know, from leading saints, not, you know, I'm outside of the church context, but still great ideas. Yeah. Well, good. Now, so what, uh, what are some general like principles do you touch on as far as leading an organization? Yeah. So I am a kind of similar to Dan. This is kind of one of the ways that we got connected is I'm really big into positive organizational scholarship, Mm -hmm. which is you know, how do we help people to be their best? And we talk about things like empowerment and engagement. Um, I, I focus a little bit on, you know, how do we help people to understand some of their strengths and weaknesses? And so that's, that's really at the heart of the research I do and the work that I focus on. Cool. And, and so are you, I mean, in, in the classroom, you're, you're deep into these, these principles as your teacher classes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of my research is in this space. I've, I've published over 50 articles and, uh, you know, I'm working on a lot of book chapters and things right now. And so, um, but this is where I spend my time is thinking about how leaders can be better and and help their teams and organizations be better. And then a lifelong Latter-day Saint. Yeah. Yeah. Born in the church. My, my mom, um, is actually a descendant of Amasa Mason Lyman, who was one of the early leaders of the church, but she's a convert. Oh, wow. Um, she was baptized as a teenager in France. Her parents had, had left the church. So she always calls it plans B, plan B, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, my, uh, lifelong what, what was she doing in France? So her dad was in the army. Oh, okay. And so they were stationed in France and she got tracked out, uh, by a couple of cute young men. And so that's why she wanted to listen initially, but, uh, but then, you know, really loved the gospel and learned about her heritage in the church and joined the church and went to the university of Utah and met my dad. Nice. Very cool. All right. So we're going to talk about feedback today. Yeah. And, and this was, this, this is sort of like a, a favorite topic of yours that when it comes to organizations and yeah. leadership. Yeah. So, you know, again, you know, when I, when I focus on positive organizations, uh, a big part of that is how do we create a culture where people can be their best? Mm -hmm. And, and that comes down to, you know, creating a culture where people are willing to talk and willing to engage with each other. And so, you know, feedback is one of those things that we all want and we're not very good at getting it right. I I don't know how many of you have ever seen the suggestion box at a restaurant, right? Most of the time, what do you find in the suggestion box? Toothpicks and you know, whatever people want to shove in there. (laughs) Um, and, and sometimes in our organizations, we're like, we have an open door policy and people can come talk to us anytime they want, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. It's almost cliche, right? That people say that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I really have spent some time thinking about it and working on this in my research about how to get better feedback. And, and one of the reasons I reached out is because I think in the church, we also want feedback. We want people to engage, Mm -hmm. but again, sometimes it's hard for us to balance and get the, get the feedback that we want. Yeah. Any reason why you think that is like, is it just a human nature thing that in in theory we want feedback, but we really don't. don't Yeah. In in theory, I'd love to hear it. But then when you tell me I don't dress very nice, I'm not very happy. Especially when it's critical, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I I think there's, there's a few things happening. I'll I'll share, you know, one of the organizations that I work with, because in addition to being a faculty member, I also do some consulting and leadership coaching. Coaching. Yeah. And I was working with a, a, a guy that was a manager in the Walmart logistics division. So one of these big Walmart, you know, distribution centers. And he talked about how he had this open door policy and he's like, but nobody ever comes back. And while we were talking to him and his team, his team member said, well, yeah, because anytime we go back there, we're in trouble. And all of a sudden he realized that, yeah, if people come back, that looks like they're in trouble. And so he started coming out. And so I think sometimes we think we have an opportunity for people to give feedback, but really it's not helpful, right? You know, there's, there's some of the, you know, kind of things that we don't do or that we don't realize that we're doing that might hinder that feedback. Hmm. I think, you know, in the church, I think one of the things we struggle with, and I, you know, I know we'll talk about this in a minute is I think sometimes we struggle with 
whether or not giving feedback is being obedient or if it means that I'm being critical of my leaders. You're pushing back a little bit. And I'm pushing back. And so, you know, we are, again, maybe a little afraid to give feedback and are worried that, you know, we'll be seen as somebody that's pushing back on the church when in truth, we just have ideas and we want to share them. And, you know, I think there's a lot of examples in the scriptures. And I think that our leaders of the church really want us to give feedback. But again, I think there's this balance that we're trying to strike Mm -hmm. between giving that feedback without being critical or without being, you know, complaining in a sense. And when you talk about feedback, I mean, you're talking like maybe somebody who is speaking higher up to authority, right? I'm giving my bishop feedback or stake president feedback. That type of thing is, is where it gets messy or, or people avoid it. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's, there's, there's definitely truth in that. And I, and it's funny that you say that because as I think back on some of my, my church callings, you know, a lot of people, people, a lot of people have no problem giving feedback to their kid's primary teacher, right? Like don't give my kid that candy or don't do this, you know? But yes, I think sometimes when we're thinking about the hierarchical nature of the church, you know, with a bishop or with a, you know, a stake president, we might be a little less willing to give feedback when that's probably the feedback we need to be giving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really what make a, a largest difference is, yeah. is on some of those more general influential roles. Right. Yeah. And anything else as far as just laying the foundation of, of your interest in feedback or, or the concept of feedback in general? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think, I think just one other thing I would share is that, you know, at the heart of, again, kind of creating this positive culture, it's really about also, you know, being willing to put ourselves out there, being a little vulnerable. Um, and then I would also say, you know, and part of being, being vulnerable, you know, we have to be willing to, to ask hard questions. And I would say that for me, I don't believe I, I come with a lot of answers, but I, I definitely try to identify questions that we can be reflective about. And if we want to increase feedback, I think questions are going to be at the heart of that. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So the next principle on our outline here, as far as how can I provide feedback without it being seen as complaining or criticizing, right? I think you've, you touched on this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's one of the, you know, that's one of the questions that I hope people can walk away with and ponder and pray about, right? How can I give feedback without complaining or criticizing? And I want to share if it's okay, just a couple of, of kind of scriptures from the old Testament, which we've been able to study in our come follow me study in the church and, and hopefully in our life. Right. Yeah. And, and these are two stories. One is, is Korah's rebellion. And the other one is the daughters of Zelophehad. And, and these two stories are kind of side by side with each other. And I think they give us some thoughts on feedback. So I'll start with Korah's rebellion. So this is from numbers 16. And basically what happened is Korah is a Levite. And so he has a lot of standing and prestige in, in the church and what we would call the church at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And he starts getting upset that maybe Moses is taking on too much power and authority. And so he gives some feedback to Moses. Matter of fact, he gathers up 250 people and goes to Moses. And, and it's, it's important to note that these are all men of renown and, and power and privilege. And in verse three, this is what it says. It says, and they gathered together themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, you take too much upon yourself, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourself above the congregation of the Lord. And so they, they kind of give this feedback to Moses that you're doing too much and you're taking on too much. I mean, the people are holy. They should be able to do more. And Moses takes it to the Lord and the Lord says, no, I, I need my prophet to do what he's doing now. And he actually does this a couple of times. And then the story ends with this uh, group of 250 people being swallowed up. 
Um, and so, so it ends kind of sadly, but <laughs> this is an old example, style. Yeah, very old Testament style, right? Like I'm not sure what swallowed up is, but I don't want that to happen to me. Right. <laughs> um, and so, so that's the first story that we, that we have kind of showing feedback that they said, Hey, we want to, we want to change this. The second story is, you know, the daughters of Zelophehad, and, and this is a story of, of some women whose father has died. Right. And they are worried that they're not going to have anything to take care of themselves. And so they come to Moses and this is what they say. And I've, I've always, I've always enjoyed this. And my wife actually is the first person that introduced this to me, but she said, you know, our, this is what it says. It says, our father died in the wilderness and he was not in the company of those who gathered against the Lord in the company of Korah. So they initially say, look, we weren't with them, right? He was not one of them. And then they say this, he said, he died in his own sin and had no sons. Why should the name of our father be done away from among his family? Because he hath no sons. And then Moses says, and it says that Moses brought their case to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, the daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brethren. And then what ends up happening in the subsequent verses is Moses actually changed the rules mm -hmm. um, because of that feedback that the daughters of Zelophehad gave. And what I find really interesting about this is this is two separate cases of giving feedback. One, which ended with people being swallowed up <laughs> and, and the other one, which ends with the Lord saying, yeah, we do need to fix that. That's a problem. They're right. Yeah. Now I love those scriptural examples and especially in the context of, 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 of a leader, you know, the, yeah. the prophet it's, it's going there. Um, so I mean, cause I'm just, I'm just want to recognize those in the audience that are listening and I get these emails from members across the world saying, Oh, Kurt, you, if you only knew that the leadership struggles we had in our, our ward, you know, yeah. our, my Bishop won't listen like, or, or, or there's this feeling of like, maybe he's uh, acting more tyrannical than, than they've experienced in the past. <laughs> right. And, and a lot of times they, they, or, or they'll come to me, they'll say, how can, how do I get my Bishop to listen to leading saints? If he heard some of these episodes, you know, that would you be it, it. Right. Yeah. I'm like, well, we can't, I mean, there's no way to do that, you know, at least ethically, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and it, it seems like my, my answer always comes back to, it sounds like you just need to go have a conversation and, yeah. and share your point of view and talk about it. And then there's sometimes this, uh, you know, this return of no, 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 you don't, this guy does not do conversations or like, he's not going to listen. Right. And so, I mean, how do we begin to approach the Moseses in our lives. Yeah, no. And I've, you know, I think related to these scriptures, I think there's a number of lessons that we can learn, mm -hmm. right? I think the first one from, you know, Korah's rebellion, I think that they made it very personal, right? Moses, you are doing this. Moses, you're taking too much, right? Yeah. And I think that sometimes when we get feedback, that's one of the things that we do is we, we tend to make it more personal than yeah. maybe it actually is, right? Forgetting that in this case, right? I mean, Moses is acting for the Lord. And, and when our bishop's been called, you know, I mean, yeah, bishops make mistakes. Leaders of our church make mistakes all the time. I, you know, we've all been in that situation and, and we do need that feedback. But again, sometimes we're, we're receiving some, some guidance from the Lord. And so I think one of the first things we can do is, is not make it personal. Hmm. You know, I think one of the things we can learn from the, the daughters of Zelophehad is, is that we do need to be reflective of our feedback. And they came at this with a lot of humility. They came with questions as opposed to answers, mm -hmm. right? They came to Moses and said, you know, why are, why are we losing our father's name? This means something to me. Mm -hmm. And so I think for those, those that are out there, I think sometimes if we can come with the question as opposed to the answer, 
then that's what might lead to the discussion, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas most of the time we come with the idea and I, I do this all the time. I mean, if my bishop was here, he'd be like, oh, John, you know, you, you, you're, you're just not, you're preaching to the choir in some ways. Um, but we need to come with the questions and that humility that can then lead to the discussion and be open to the idea that the answer may not be the answer that I thought, but it might change the direction we're going. Yeah. I often, um, I mean, there's sort of this, uh, this first step where before you even get into the conversation or into the feedback, just simply asking, are you, do you want feedback from me? Like yeah. I, I can go in my corner and just be quiet, but do you want feedback? And that almost invites the humility a little yeah. bit where it's sort of like, no, I, I think everybody wants to be the type of person that receives feedback, regardless of how, how heavy or uh, critical it is. And that's maybe a good good place to start. And then I think most people would say, oh yeah, I mean, I can imagine a leader saying, no, actually I would rather you not talk and you know, you're in my ward, but just, you know, I got this type of thing. And I get maybe there's an outlier yeah. or two that, that would respond that way. But maybe asking that question, do you even want what I have to you give you here? Yeah. Because where a lot of people with criticism, because it's so personal, we sort of come in there with, with guns a blazing, like right. you're going to listen to me and you're going to take my feedback. And, but then there's this like natural resistance of, from that person, like, no, no actually oh. what, don't come after me like this, you know, treat me with respect or whatever. Right. So, right. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's a great point. And, and, and related to that, I do think that when we give feedback, I think we need to know why we're giving it. Mm. Um, you know, I think when we think of, you know, in Korah's rebellion, it's clear there was a power struggle. Like we want more power. We deserve more, mm. you know? And, and so I think that we need to think about the why and is the why a good reason to give it, you yeah. know? Uh, you know, it's funny. My, my mission president used to, to always tell the story about how he was, when he was a missionary and he's, he'd always tell this to missionaries, myself included, when we were struggling with a companion uh -huh. and he would say, you know, whether or not, whatever your companion's doing, that's bugging you, whether or not he changes doesn't matter. But if you can't feel the spirit because of what he's doing, that's on you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think at the, at the heart of that, right. Is I needed to think about why I wanted to give the feedback and was it about me or was it about helping that person? Yeah. So, so unpack that a little bit more. Like, so if he, if there's something like, maybe there's something he's doing that just gnaws on you so much, right. That you yeah. can't feel the spirit, then you're the one that needs to change. Right. Yeah. And that's sometimes hard. I mean, talk about it's very meta, the feedback, like that's sometimes tough feedback to take because thinking like, no, well, what about this person who's being abusive or what about this person right. who's, who's really harming the youth, you know, the, the, the youth are having a negative experience. And if, and if he doesn't change that, that negative experience will go on. Right. Like, so maybe impact that more. What yeah, no, no, that's, that's a great point. And I, and I do think there's a, there's a separation there. Right. You know, I mean, for any of us who have kids, sometimes the things that drives us the most nuts about our kids are the things that are of ourself, right. Yeah. That they do, you know, that <laughs> your kid does. And so, you know, if it's things like that, if it's, if it's things that are stopping us from feeling the spirit, I think that's one thing, but yes, if it's harming another person, if it's, you know, making it hard for our congregation to do what they you know need to do. For example, if our sacrament meeting is going over 20 minutes every Sunday, mm -hmm. it's time to say, Hey, but we also have Sunday school teachers and they're not able to get their lessons across, you know? So I, I would say, yes, if it's, if it's starting to harm other people, or if it's, you know, kind of moving that direction, we definitely need to give the feedback. And even if we give the feedback and they don't take it, we need to make sure that it's not harming our spiritual growth yeah. and our spiritual development because we're so frustrated with them, right? We give the feedback and then we move on. Yeah. Um, 
so, so I appreciate that concept of like really sitting with like, okay, I need to give feedback. Something's happening in this organization. And I don't know if we, it seems like we're defaulting to maybe a uh, subordinate individual talking to a leader, but we'll flip the tables here in a minute, but I need to go give this feedback, but why am I giving it right? Really sitting with that question. Anything you like you coach someone on if they're to explore or how to, how to identify why they're giving it? Yeah. Or, or why they want to give the feedback. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I think that there is a couple of things that you can do if you're trying to figure out the why. One of the first things that you can do is you need to actually write down what the feedback is and then write down what the goals would be if that person were to take it. And if those goals are more about me than they are about the person, then I, that kind of helps me to know what I'm doing, right? Well, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, it's one thing if it makes me feel uncomfortable, but if it's, and if it's, if it's really making me feel uncomfortable, yes, I need to say it. Right. But if it's just that it's not helping me, I, then that's probably not the best. Right. Um, I think another thing that I would coach people on in terms of figuring out the motivation for their feedback, um, is, is think about what that end goal would be. You know, what would happen if this were to change? How would this person be better? How would I be better? How would the youth be better if, if something were to yeah. change? You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. We had a, a Sunday school teacher um, when I was, I think I was the ward mission leader at the time. And, and the Sunday school teacher was, was one of those, you know, it just kind of got up and gave a really long lecture and it was a great lecture. They put so much time and effort into it. So it wasn't like the effort wasn't That's why there. they needed to give the lecture. That's, yeah. <laughs> they put a lot of time into it. That's usually why they give the lecture. That's why they give it. Exactly. Exactly. I've read so much of this. And, but we were, you know, kind of talking about how, you know, it felt like we were losing some of our, our members that weren't participating. Yeah. Right. They wanted they to be were checking out mentally or maybe yeah. even not showing up the next week. Right. And so, you know, when we didn't go through this process then, but I wish we would have, but that was the first thing we started with was, Hey, you know what? Your, your lecture is great, but we have a few people that, that would love to participate in that, to ask you some questions, to gain some of your knowledge, right. That you've come with that they want to get to with some questions. Mm -hmm. And so we said, you know, is there a way that you could kind of share some of what you know, but then maybe open it up in the middle for five minutes of questions. And, and so kind of talking through the benefits and what we wanted to change became the feedback and how we knew it would impact people in the class, right? So coming at that with the, what, what would happen if, if this actually changed was a powerful tool for us. Yeah. I think there's this dynamic, especially in the church where we have this, this lay ministry that, that yeah. rotates through, right? So, and this is something I'm very self-conscious about being not only a former bishop and a former member of the stake presidency, but also the guy that has a podcast about church <laughs> leadership as I, as I sit in my, in the pews and I have a great relationship with my Bishop. We were just yesterday, we were texting back and forth about a, a certain episode that was on and, and sort of commentating on it, but, yeah. and he's great. It, but I also worry that, man, I don't, I have a lot of feedback. I mean, I could go on, you put a quarter in me, you get a, a buck 50 back, you know, it's like, yeah. It's, but as I sit there, like why, like maybe I'm in a Sunday school class or whatever. And I'm just in, I leave sort of with some discontent, like that didn't go well. And man, I could think of five things they could do differently. Right. But I'm in the word mission. It's not necessarily my organization, you know, it's not my deal. And so I often find that I'm holding back cause, oh, and, and I'm okay with that. Cause I've come, I sort of sit there with the, why do I want to give the feedback? Well, because I've really thought about these things and I feel like I, I could help and give more, but I also don't want to be the guy that's just telling everybody how to do their job. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what do we do with that, that thing where it's like, 
I know there's a better way to do this. And, and sometimes it, it really flares up when in the, in the, uh, tender parts of our heart, like the youth, right? Yeah. Like yeah. my, I have a 16 year old priest here and he's having a tough time and it's not working. Young men's, you know, whatever's not, not working. working. Right. Yeah. And so any thoughts on that? Like when we just uh, want to give feedback because we, there's a better way and you're doing it wrong, John, you're doing it wrong. And let me tell you how to do it. Yeah. Right. You know? No, I, and, and I trust me, Kurt, I am, I am right there with you, right. <laughs> Where it's like, I've, Oh man, I've been in your role and I can tell you, this will be so much more organized if you just did this, right. Yeah. If you did that one thing, um, and I think that, you know, your initial question of, do you want the feedback is a great one, right? Because I am a firm believer that people don't go to work and they don't do their church callings to do a terrible job, mm -hmm. right? I didn't say yes so that I could get up there and do a terrible job. And so I think, like you said, I think a lot of people would be happy to get the feedback, right? And, and so I think that that question is a good one. I think one of the other things we have to remember is that what works really well for us may not work really well for others. Yeah. Right. And, and I'll, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, like we've all had those callings in the church that we've had many, many times and mine has always been in missionary work and, and it's, I love it and it's, it's great. And I remember we invited an investigator to come to a, a state conference meeting, to come to church and he came to church and we had the state conference meeting and the guy that they invited to speak, they invited him to share his testimony. 45 minutes later Oof. and a history of this stake. We've later. all been there, John. We've all been there, right? 45 minutes later, the whole time I'm pulling my hair out thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is going to think we're, you know, we, we, we don't, we didn't talk about Christ. We, you know, it's just like, oh my goodness, this is so hard. And I look over there and he is totally engulfed in it. And, and he, you know, who, who afterwards, was who was giving the, the investigator, oh, okay. the investigator oh, the is looking at this speaker and he is totally just loving it. And afterwards I was talking to him. He's like, I am just, he said, that really touched my heart to hear how this church has grown in this area. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those moments, you know, where again, you know, I think there are times we, we should give the feedback. I think we should ask if they need it. I think that, you know, we, we want to, you know, I think the Lord wants an active member, not a passive member. Mm -hmm. And so I think providing some of that feedback is helpful. But one thing I think we also need to remember is that people receive their own revelation and that what works for us may not be what's going to work in that moment. Yeah. You know, I mean, if not, I think the church handbook would be 500 pages long, mm -hmm. right? Because like, this is the only way to do it. But as we know, there's a lot of reasons people are in callings. There's a lot of experiences that people have that change them. You know, even a, a bad camp out, you know, where there was no organization and we end up sleeping on the side of a freeway can become a really meaningful experience for a youth. Yeah. You know, and I speak for that. You can't tell a story like that unless it's, you know, been from experience, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I think that we've got to remember that in our, in our conversations, in our feedback, you know, we pray about it and we ask them if they want it. But at the end of the day, we also need to remember that the Lord can consecrate the decisions and the things that people do. Yeah, that's really helpful. And, and I love just that thought of, we have to give space for them to do, do their leadership role their way. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be my way and that's okay. And, yeah. and we can influence where we're placed and the best we can. Um, so yeah. Anything else about, um, about this concept of feedback being seen as complaining or, or criticizing. And, and maybe that there's a deeper discussion, which is maybe a different episode and different guests, but this concept of complaining and criticizing, you know, is there, is there an appropriate role for that in our yeah. faith experience where it is sort of has a negative connotation of like, you know, nobody wants to be the complainer or just the critic, but at the same time, it's like, we want, we're, we're building the kingdom of, of God here. You know, we, yeah. we want Zion and, and, 
I'm not going to let you get away with that poor performance, you know, so it can come across as complaining, criticizing, but anything else around that principle no, you haven't touched on? No, you know, and I mean, the article of faith, right? We believe all that God has revealed and all that he is, you know, now reveal and will yet reveal many great and important things. I mean, I think sometimes that comes from critics, yeah. right? You know, I mean, we, we have things that change in the church and, you know, for example, you know, not having a sister pray in conference for decades mm-hmm. now, and then somebody brings it up and now it's regular, you know, it's something that needed to change. And so, you know, that could have been seen as complaining or criticizing. But at the same token, it, it leads to change. So I think you're right. I think that is probably a whole other conversation about yeah. how to do that in an effective way. Um, but that's probably good for that, uh, that yeah. question. And I, I, yeah, I know we've got a few And I guess, cover. you know, complaining, criticizing, it's almost like it becomes a complaint and a critique with the tone of it, right? Yeah. If you go in there with an open heart, assuming best intentions and saying, it, you know, would yeah. you like some feedback? And yeah, I guess you could classify that as a complaint or a criticism, but you know, as long as that you walk in there with the best intentions, with a heart full of love for this individual who's who yeah. is trying their best, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's. Uh, what about let's turn the tables a little bit here, as far as like either as a leader, like giving criticism or giving criticism, a leader giving feedback, um, and or, or receiving that feedback, because because I remember I've written on this a few times, but. As a as a leader, you know my times in leadership, I I would almost be offended if somebody had a had feedback about how I was leading and didn't share it with me. Like yeah. I want to hear it. I you know I'm I'm big on self awareness, especially in leadership. I can't be self aware if I don't have your perspective, right? And so, yeah. you know, if I if, if would ever hear of that a critique or a, a feedback that wasn't delivered to me, I would almost be offended. Like why didn't you? come talk with me, please. You know, I, I want to hear it. Um, so any, any, any perspective on being the leader, either giving the feedback or receiving the feedback? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the, well, the lessons we can learn from the scriptures we talked about earlier, and I didn't go through all the scriptures, but you know, the, the you know, Korah and his followers were given multiple chances, right? Where God said, no, this is the answer. Mm-hmm. And then they came back again, right? Martin Harris is another great example of that, right? Where it's like, no, the answer is no, and comes back again. And so, you know, I think as somebody who wants to receive feedback, I think sometimes we we have to be willing to to give multiple chances. And and I think, you know, kind of more to the heart of your question, probably than that, is what am I doing to get that feedback? Because again, I think, you know, people always say I have an open door policy or I want it. A lot of people throw that out there. But how am I doing that? Am I having ministering interviews, right? Am I meeting with people one-on-one? Have I built relationships so that people trust me enough to give to give me feedback? You know, and that, that's another thing that I I find, you know, is is, you know, when there's and this is more on the business side, because I don't work as much with, you know, bishops and things like that. Right, yeah. But but on the on the leadership side, you know, CEOs and you know, managers will be shocked that their team hasn't come and talked to them. And it's like, well, how many times did you go talk to them? Yeah. Right. And just getting to know them and building that relationship. Yeah. Feedback's built on trust. And, and so I think that's part of it in our, in our church callings, making sure that we're spending that time building that relationship. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll just share, I mean, right now I'm in elders quorum in an elders quorum presidency and it's, it's really fascinating because we've, we've done a lot to try and get feedback. And one of the things that we decided to do early on was at the end of every email, we say something like, we love you. And we really would love to hear your thoughts and ideas. 
Or, you know, if you have any feedback on this item or this item, please email us back or call us. And, and so just trying to change that up, but always asking and always reaching out to others. And, and whenever we did our ministering interviews for that month, we talked to them about that topic. And I've been amazed at the number of people who were willing to email me back and tell me a ministering assignment they were uncomfortable with. Or, you know, one person emailed back and, and said, hey, I, you know, I, I really need some help with a professional decision. Can you come over and talk to me? Right. And so I think sometimes it's, it's you know, being willing to, to be that receiver that's constantly asking and actually reaching out for it. But I think the, the big, biggest part of it is building those relationships. Yeah. And, and there's sort of that fallacy of the open door, right? Yeah. The cliche. What, yeah. what do you mean? They, you know, if I told them I have an open door policy. Why don't they come talk to me? But that's we throw that cliche out there thinking that's enough where we have to be proactive and, and meeting. You know, I remember as a bishop just having this every month I met with every organizational leader. And a lot of times I'd walk into that meeting thinking, we really have nothing to talk about. Right. And even they would agree like, yeah, there's nothing to talk about. But as we would talk, things would naturally come to the surface. And yeah, sometimes it would be a five minute meeting, but yeah. they felt that connection. They felt like I was listening and those types of things. Um, but the fact that I was proactive in saying we are meeting and we can stare at each other for five minutes and or call, yeah. call it short, or you will now have a platform to open up with me and talk and share any feedback you may have. Right. And I think that goes along with the ministering interviews of, because uh, I know a lot of, you know, elders core relief study presidencies struggle with this. It's just like awkward. What do I say? I just ask how their family is, but the fact that you're doing these regularly and then maybe being more intentional in that context, asking for the feedback saying, I want to hear it. No, give me your worst. You know, yeah. sometimes I'll joke with them. No, I want to, I want you to try and offend, offend me, right? Like give it to me. And and from there, it's like, maybe this is a safe place, right? Maybe yeah. I can't open up and being proactive rather than just opening your door and being like, well, I'm here. Yeah. And, and you know, and to that point, I think also being specific, right? You know, it because I think that kind of primes the pump, you know, like if it's, if I'm being specific, like, you know, what can I do to make your ministering assignment more meaningful? Yeah. And then we talk about that, but then another thing might come up, right? Or, hey, we're, what, what's going on with our lessons? What can we do to make these better? Yeah. You know, I, when we get that specific, people are more willing to engage because sometimes people legitimately just, you know, maybe they thought about it a month ago, especially now that we only have elders quorum lessons twice a month, if yeah. that, you know, but if I bring it up, then they might be more willing to engage with it. And that primes the pump for other topics as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it really is like the setting, like you can't just stand in front of elders quorum saying, give me some feedback is, you know, 50 other men, you know, look at you, but in an email and saying, just yeah. hit reply and let me know, like, well, I can do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and what I'm learning from this as you talk through it is just this concept of creating a culture of feedback, right? Yeah. I remember uh, before I switched to business, I was uh, an art major and I took a figure drawing class at, at UVSC, and, which it. is now UVU. Um, and I remember every, I, I don't know how often it was, it felt like every week, but we would put our drawing in front of our drawing horses there. And so everybody in the class would be in a circle and we go around the room and everybody would critique everybody's, everybody's drawing. And whew, that was uncomfortable. It stung sometimes. Right. But it created this culture that I expected that. And I, I could see my improvement because right. of it. And so just taking those simple opportunities, whether it's an award council meeting at the end of your Sunday school lesson and just saying like, how could we do better next time? Or what could I do? Uh, between now and the next time we meet in order to improve this experience you're having. Right. And again, it just stimulates this culture of, of feedback, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, where are we going next here? Um, you know, I, you know, if it's okay, I think maybe the next question that again I would hope and and you know hope people would reflect on and think about is you know how do I balance obedience with feedback? Mm. You know, because I, I think especially as I've reflected on this, you know, I've reflected on it a lot in the business setting, you know, and you know, of course, obedience has a different context there. I think obedience is different in a church setting. These are not mutually exclusive. That I can be obedient and give feedback. You know, I think one of the the prime examples of that, right, is is when we we reflect on if we have questions or concerns in the church, we can give that feedback, and then we stay in the church, right? We yeah. continue to you know work forward, knowing that answers are coming, and we just keep praying and working towards it. Um, and so, I, I think that's you know the the next place I'd like to go. And, and if it's okay, I'll I'll share just a couple of other examples, um, some scriptural examples of this. So, you know, I think there's a couple of examples of this in terms of, of, of kind of some scriptural examples we can get. And so the first one um, is actually from the, uh, from the Book of Mormon, and it's 1 Nephi 3, 27. And in this example, we may remember that this is after Nephi and his brothers have tried to go and get the plates, right? And they've had a massive failure. They have not gotten the plates. They've lost all their wealth, right? And what do they do? They're Laman and Lemuel complain, and then they start beating Nephi and Sam, right? That's one form of feedback, That's, right? <laughs> exactly. That is a very physical form of feedback, of which I would not recommend. Um, and and he's, he's, they're upset with him, right? And what's interesting is that Nephi is not the one that sent them. And I've always found that to be fascinating, hmm. that Nephi is not the one that sent them, and yet they're upset at him because he's still trying to understand what God wants him to do. Right. How he's, how they're going to do that. Yeah. The second story, and this is, you know, a little bit more of a positive one. And this is from ether two. And it's when the Jaredites are trying to cross the water, right? And they've got their boats and they're not sure what to do. And so the Lord tells them to build barges, but the barges have no air and no light. I mean, can you, if we were to, you know, if you were to go tell your employees to go, you know, build a barge that they're going to then need to use, and they were to find out there was no air and light, they might be upset, right? But I think this is a great example of giving feedback to the Lord because the brother Jared goes and he says, hey, we don't have any light or air. And the Lord solves one problem. He gives them, you know, he says, put holes in the top and bottom, make sure they're airtight. And the second problem, he says, I want you to go think about this. And so he sends them. Uh, to go and, and brother Jared, of course, comes back with stones. The Lord touches the stones. They become light, right? In the, in the barges. And so as we think about this idea of obedience and feedback, I think I love these stories because with, especially with the, the, the brother of Jared, the brother of Jared was given a pretty difficult task. And as a matter of fact, he had to give feedback to the Lord. If they would have just jumped in the boats, they would not have made it right, but they had to go back to the Lord. And so I think the Lord expects feedback. I think the Lord expects us to give feedback to our leaders. I think he expects us to pray and give feedback to him. As a matter of fact, you know, another great verse uh, in Alma 34, you know, we, we learn about how the Lord expects us to cry unto him in all things, in all things. And he gives this huge list, right? Our flocks, our family, our, you know, we're supposed to go through and cry unto the Lord. So I think the Lord expects feedback and he wants us to give it. I think on that same token, when we think about obedience and feedback, the Lord also wants us to work for it. Hmm. And so when we give feedback to a leader, you know, the, you were talking about the listeners that might, you know, say, Hey, my bishop's never going to listen. I think the Lord knows that there's going to be times where it's not going to happen immediately. Yeah. Right. We're going to have a barge that we are not sure how this is going to work yet. And so the Lord wants us to keep working at it, keep thinking about it, keep praying about it. And so, you know, I think again, just a couple of scriptural examples of that and some lessons we can learn from these verses about how to balance obedience and feedback. Yeah. And I love that, that concept because 
I often use the phrase that uh, the the poor leadership you experience today will bless your your positive leadership in the future. Like yeah. you may be having a really rough experience with in leadership right now, but you're learning things from it. So when you have an opportunity to lead in the future, you're a better leader for it, right? But yeah. you needed that that push and pull to go through, right? And and I think it's been we, the you know I think general authorities prophets, seers, and revelators have hit this hard, just the importance of councils and a, a group of uh, a body coming together to seek revelation and, and counsel and, and talk yeah. through these things. And I remember several times as a bishop walking into bishopric meeting, having a specific name of who this person was in this calling. And then by the end of the, the meeting, it was, it was completely different. Right. And I could have been naive enough to think, no, I've got the keys. You know, I, I make the decisions like this is who I want, but because I was willing to sort of get into that push and pull game, greater revelation, uh, blessed our ward because of it. Right? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm, I'm so grateful you brought up councils, Kirk, cause that's something that I've, I've, you know, kind of thought in this feedback space, you know, president Oak said that revelation is the ultimate objective of council, whether revelation in the council or revelation to participants or revelation to presiding officers. And I think that the only way that happens is if we are open and talking and giving feedback, right? If we all come in, like you said, oh, well, that's the person. All right, let's go. Well, no, let's, let's talk about it, right? That's how we get more revelation. I mean, and President Nelson, you know, talked about how the best revelation comes from the best information, right? I think it's good revelation comes from yeah. good information. Yeah. And, and we can't have good information unless we're giving feedback. Again, I think the Lord expects us to be participants and to be engaged in this. Yeah. Now, going back to this concept of obedience and feedback, I, th I think this is really a poignant concept in our, our faith tradition. And because um, a lot of times, you know, maybe a leadership decision is made, but, and then a good example is like a, a boundary change. Okay. Yeah. Like suddenly there's this week you show up to church or however, however they handle it. And they've, they've got new borders to the ward. And as a lay member in the ward, we just suddenly show up and we see this map that just came out of nowhere. And we think, well, they didn't, I can see five problems with that. Right. And we make the assumption, oh, that leader didn't think those through, but they don't realize the hours and hours behind the scenes that went into it. And I often see the mistake of leaders coming out and saying, this is, this is the will of the Lord. We prayed about this now just consume it. But I think there, we have to leave room for those ward members to say, I want, I just want my voice to be heard. Maybe right. you have considered this, but I need to be heard. I, I have some questions and it's not because I'm disobedient or don't sustain my leaders, but I need to create that space. And so leaders, as they make decisions, especially that come from long council meetings where a lot of information yeah. was digested and considered and questions posed and whatnot to still give those that when they're delivering this message to, to somebody saying, and we're open to your feedback. I mean, some of these things yeah. are set and you probably don't, maybe don't like the decision, but we want to hear like, how does this impact you? And a lot of people just want to be heard of, you know, now my best friend is in the ward and you don't need to put him back in my ward, but I just want you to know that this kind of hurts. And I'm like, yeah, it does hurt. And anyways, moving on, you know, type of thing, <laughs> but, but just create again, creating that space for feedback to be received. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that we've, uh, we've lived in Lubbock for seven years and we've been through two boundary changes. Oh, nice. And, and in both of them, our stake president was, was very wise in, you know, starting the conversation saying that, you know, Hey, if, if any of you have concerns, if you're worried about this, he jokingly said, don't tell me And then he said, no, he's like, I'm the person to reach out to, uh -huh. right. Email me, let me know. 
and, and then proceeded to kind of share some of the revelation that occurred in those meetings. And so I think, you know, again, another thing that, that we can do in terms of this idea of obedience and feedback is sometimes I struggle with it and I have feedback because I don't know what's happened. Right. But as a leader, when I can share those, those godlike moments, those yeah. revelatory moments, take them on that journey, right? Take them on yeah. the journey and, and talk about how you came to where you came. All of a sudden I'm, I'm with you, yeah. right? Because that's when the spirit can testify to me of its truth, right? When somebody shares with me that this was a moment that I, I felt the Lord guiding this decision. All of a sudden I can think about that and, and yeah. pray about it. And when we, when we frame it, I sort of said this before, but I want to reiterate it. When we frame it as thus saith the Lord, like we have prayed and received confirmation that this is God's will. We, we take away that feedback opportunity. Like, so this is an obedience. It suddenly shift to an obedience thing. Like right. you either accept it or you're not obedient. So black or white yeah. type of thing. And so I think we really got to be careful with how we're communicating with we can't frame it in thus saith the Lord and don't ask questions yeah. because that diminishes people and then their voice doesn't feel heard. And then it just snowballs from there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, all right. What, um, this, and this is a great one as we, as we wrap up here, what is, what if my feedback is not heard, right? Like, or I feel like it yeah. isn't heard. Where, where do we begin to unpack that? Yeah. So, you know, in that question, what do I do if my feedback is not heard? And it, it is kind of full circle, right? Because we were talking about this as the person who's, you know, Bishop or whoever is not listening, you know, I, I, you know, for me, when I think about that, that specific, you know, specific question, I, I do have to think about just because I don't get an answer doesn't mean that it's not heard. Mm. Right. And so I think sometimes the word heard is the first thing to unpack. And, and what does being heard look like? And so, you know, again, kind of flipping the tables, if I, if I'm a leader, what am I doing to help my congregation? What am I doing to help my employees know that they've been heard? You know, am I following up when they give comments? I mean, you know, in, in a lot of, you know, leadership circles, particularly in the church, we talk about agendas, right. And having an agenda Yeah, and agenda is a great thing for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that we often don't think about it as is it's really good to remind us where we got feedback and how do we make sure that they know that we was heard. Right. And so I think that's one of the things that, that we can do with this. You know, the second thing is, you know, when we, when we are feedback is when we feel like our feedback is not heard, it's okay to offer it again. Right. Yeah. You know, and again, you know, wanting to kind of contrast this with, with the Martin Harris story from the, you know, kind of the early days of the church, right. Where he wanted to show his wife, the, the, you know, the book, the page of the book of Mormon, the prophet had translated. And he asked Joseph and Joseph went to the Lord and Joseph said, the Lord said, sorry, you can't do it. And asked again and again. Right. And so he was heard and he knew he was heard, yeah. but he kept asking. I think there's a difference, right? Where we need to remember, like you said, our leadership is a lay leadership. Mm -hmm. And so chances are when I gave that feedback about how to change a young men's activity, they were also dealing with things that were going on at home. They were dealing with things that were going on at work. And so it's possible that they really didn't hear it. They didn't remember. And so when our feedback is not heard, sometimes it's okay to, to say it again. Now, like I said, it's different if they're like, yeah, you know what? We've thought about that. I don't think now's the right time. Mm. You know, we've been heard in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. We've decided to go a different direction. Right. right. And that's sometimes that's, a, it seems like a obvious point, but I know sometimes we're passive aggressive in these things where we're like, oh yes, well, you're right. We do need to consider that. And then the 10th time you are right. We do need to consider like, no, just tell them that yeah. I'm sorry, brother, sister, whomever we've just decided to go in a different direction. And we realize the concerns and there's lots of concerns and we'll do our best. We just hope you support yeah. us. And 
move forward, but you're always welcome back to this office or to call me at any time or text. And I'd love to yeah. love to hear the feedback. And I mean, I realize, you know, there's always maybe some personalities that they've come back enough and I've told them enough and they, <laughs> right. And, you know, you just have to deal with those, those one-offs, but generally speaking, uh, most people just want to feel heard and say, yeah. we, we've processed that concern. And this is just the direction that the, the decision we made. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll share kind of a personal experience with this. So, you know, again, when, when I was living in Michigan, we had a, it was a very multicultural ward and an area, right? I mean, the university of Michigan brought lots of people from all over the world. And so we decided as a ward mission that we were going to do some activities based around identity groups. And so for black history month, we decided we were going to do kind of a, you know, black history activity. And again, you know, kind of just airing my own follies and issues. Right. Um, we planned this activity and while I was planning it, there was somebody that came and shared some thoughts with us. And, and I didn't even really think about them because I was so busy and I'm so grateful because a month or probably a couple of weeks before the activity actually happened, I got an email from that person sharing some of their concerns, which were very valid, right? The idea of cultural appropriation and whether or not some of these activities would be actually inviting people to our church or driving them away, right? Uh, yeah. and, and so we made a lot of changes. And so again, sometimes we may not be heard because of when we offer the feedback. And so we need to do it again. And after that email, we made changes. We let that person know. We invited them to be a part of the decision-making and how we were going to have this activity go forward. Um, and so, you know, again, I think there's an opportunity for us to think about what does it mean to be heard and yeah. how can I find that? You know? Yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up because there is this, there can be this feeling of like, you know what, Kurt and John, I've actually given the feedback and nothing changed. So I give up, you know, you sort of throw your arms in the air and you, I'll just show up on Sundays, maybe, right? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and, but just remember, hey, why don't you go back again? Because maybe they misheard you, misunderstood you. They were just busy, right? There, there's so many things that, oh, yeah. reasons why, you know, so anything else that, uh, what, what else have we missed about the concept of feedback before we wrap up? You know, and there, there is something that I've, I, you know, thought a lot about in this kind of space as well. And that is, you know, again, focusing on as a leader, what am I doing with feedback? There's really two concepts I want us to, at least I hope leaders will think about. And, and one of them is that feedback is a gift. And that Marshall Goldsmith is a kind of one of these leadership gurus. And, and he wrote a book focused on that idea that feedback is a gift. And if we don't treat feedback like a gift, meaning that we accept it, we mm -hmm. think about it, we're grateful for it, even if it's criticism, we will not get it again. Right. And so feedback is a gift. But the second thing that I hope that we as leaders think about is what are we doing to make sure that that people do feel comfortable giving that feedback and and i think one thing we as a church can do better of is is to recognize that sometimes when we give feedback it is different than what we anticipated right and and still being willing to to be experimental and to try new things um, one of the great examples of that is you know if, if there's a member of our ward who's struggling and wrestling with you know whether it's church doctrine whether it's the culture of the church and they give some feedback being really ponder, you know, really ponder about that feedback give it the time. If, if somebody's willing to give us that feedback, we need to be willing to give the time to think about it and pray yeah. about it. I love that framing of, you know, feedback as a gift. Cause especially, you know, we talk about this dynamic when a decision's made and there's so many meetings happen that people aren't generally familiar with. We want to almost reject the gift with some reasons or excuses. Like, Oh no, we thought about that. I mean, it's almost like giving a, a gift to somebody and then they they're telling you oh yeah i actually have four of these and you're like oh 
Okay. Uh, well, this is awkward, right? Yeah. But to, to receive it, and even though you have five reasons to tell them, yeah, we thought that through, whatever, but just to be in this cadence of like, oh, wow, thank you. You know, you can always bring that feedback. We've considered a little bit of that, but hey, we'll, we'll consider more if we need or whatever it is, yeah. but not just rejecting like, oh, no, you don't understand. We had, we had 10 different meetings that were 10 hours long and we talked through everything. There wasn't a detail we missed, so you don't understand that. So your feedback is invalid. So yeah. thank you. you know, like, like that doesn't work it, or it doesn't stimulate this culture of feedback that exactly. we want to create. Right? Exactly. All right, John, we do it. Yeah, it was we great. Yeah. Uh, any Anything you want to plug? I mean, I guess Texas Tech is cool if you want to go to school there. <laughs> they can take some classes from you, but um, any... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I, I would just, I mean, I, I really do love the podcast. I think that, you know, like you said, sometimes, sometimes sending somebody a podcast is not the best way to give them feedback. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that, right? Because <laughs> you see all these people are like, oh, I am copying this link right now and it's going straight to my bishop, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Don't do that, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and one of the great examples and I'm trying to remember and Kurt, please forgive me if it's not, I, I listen to a number of podcasts because yeah, exactly. I live in Utah. Um, and so, but I, I believe you did an episode a while back about love, share, and invite. Yes. And, you know, we have a brand new ward mission leader and I've been working with the ward mission leader and kind of given some ideas and he's fantastic. And because we'd been having that conversation, I had no problem just taking that and sending it to him. Be like, you should listen to this. Yeah. Right now it would have been different if I had not had a relationship with this person. And if I had not been talking, but I've been like, Oh man, he needs to fix that. And then sent this to him. Right. Yeah. And so I think, you know, if, if we do feel like there is feedback to be given, we do need to start building that relationship, but we should also talk about it, Yeah, you know, and, and it doesn't mean that we drop the whole thing on somebody of all the problems and all the issues, right. Um, from Hamilton, right. A list of itemized disagreements over 35 years. Um, but we should give them, you know, start building that relationship so that when we do send a podcast or we do send something that we think could be helpful, they know it's coming from a place of love. Yeah. And, and of course, I never want to discourage people from sharing leading yeah. saints. So maybe share a few other episodes with them, or like you said, build that relationship first. And then bury them in leading saints links. So I love it. <laughs> All right, John, last question I have for you is you reflect on your own personal leadership journey. How has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and one that I've, I've definitely spent some time thinking about. And, you know, I think for me, Christ was a leader. He was never in a position of power, right? When we look at the old, at the new Testament, he was never in a position of power. And yet he wielded so much impact and influence. And so when I think about, you know, how it's helped me to become a greater follower of Christ, I think it's helped me to realize that in every situation I'm in, in every situation, regardless of position or place, I have an opportunity to bring people closer to Christ and to help better their lives, um, similar to what Christ did. And so for me, that's one thing I'm really grateful for is that we have a savior who gave us the greatest example of leadership and yet was never the president right? Was never the, the person that was in this great position of power, but always tried to help prepare and love all those around him. That concludes this episode of the Leading Saints podcast. We'd love to hear from you about your questions or thoughts or comments. You can either leave a comment on the uh, post related to this episode at leadingsaints.org or go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us your perspective or questions. If there's other episodes or topics you'd like to hear on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and share with us the information there. And we would love for you to share this with 
any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. Remember to learn more about our Gathering Saints retreat experiences, visit leadingsaints.org gathering or click the link in the show notes. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.